The following is a President's Chapel by Professor Joel Kim, President of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this chapel message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. wscal.edu, 888-480-8474. Welcome to Westminster Seminary, California. Um, Whenever and wherever you're joining us, we welcome you, and we pray that you are healthy and safe. This morning, we're continuing our meditation on the book of Psalms, uh, turning to Psalm 137 in particular. And I want to ask you if you're able to join us by turning to Psalm 137 as we read these words of our Lord, teaching us by saying, By the waters of Babylon... There we sat down and wept. When we remember Zion, on the willows there we hung up our lyres. For there our captors required us songs, and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. So far, the reading of the word, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Be with us this morning, O Lord. Teach us by your word. Grow in us our trust in your word and the promises found therein. Allow us to see you and to fixate our eyes upon you, for we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Psalm 137 is haunting and relevant. In a world that is used to being preoccupied with beauty, health, and wealth, all of us now are daily confronted with loss, sadness, and sorrow, something the psalmist knows quite well. And as we reflect upon this psalm, we divide it into three parts, loss, lament, and longing. Loss lament, and longing. This psalm and the psalmist know something about loss and sadness and pain. Verse 1 simply says, By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept. Verse 2 then goes on to talk about their mindset, how they've given up in some ways. On the willows there, he said, we hung up our liars. Verse 3 reminds us that in dire predicament when he says, Our captors, our tormentors with mirth is what the psalmist says. It is a loss and pain that results from becoming exiles, having been displaced from the land of promise and now living as exiles in the land of Babylon. It's also a personal loss, not just a communal and a community-wide loss, But it's a loss that is felt personally as the psalmist turns from we to I in verses 5 and 6 to identify with the loss 
the sadness and pain. The escalating sense of loss is accentuated when the captors mockingly command the people of God to sing us one of the songs of Zion. Singing is prominent in the book of Psalms, and often talking about Jerusalem and Zion, they become the focal point of people's joyous singing. For example, in Psalm 84, we hear them sing, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. For a day in your courts, the psalmist says, is better than a thousand elsewhere. Well, frankly, there are now elsewhere. We can only imagine the sense of loss, sadness and sorrow and displacement felt by the psalmist and many who are with him. While we can't imagine what that feels like as captors, as exiles, we do know something about loss, and especially these days. In fact, loss and sadness is all around us. For some, the loss is palpable and immediate. Some are daily dealing with the loss associated with the virus, either themselves or knowing loved ones who are stricken with the virus. Some struggle with the loss of work and therefore security, trying to figure out a way forward for themselves and for their families. Still others grieve the loss of community, being quarantined sometimes alone, unable to visit family and loved ones, and prevented from gathering as a community of faith, something that many of us who are unable to attend church in the church buildings have now felt for some weeks. But for many others, the loss and sadness is not immediate and palpable, but present nonetheless. It's hard to explain sometimes what we daily feel like. There is a loss of control, what is normal broken by the unpredictability of life. There's loss of plans many are struggling with. Weddings delayed, graduations canceled, activities that bring us joy curtailed. And we see that in our children, as well as our families and friends. For me, my first pastor, when I was interning as a seminarian here, died about five weeks ago, whose funeral many of us could not attend, though we respect him very much, and we trust that he is with the Lord, rejoicing in his glory. These are losses that many of us feel, though not immediate, that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. Or perhaps the loss of simple. Everything needs cleansing. Every person must be questioned, even as we walk in our sidewalks. And every activity requires a layer of planning and thinking that you and I are not used to. Friends, not all these things are equal in significance or effect, but every one of them represents a loss for us, and no one is immune from them these days. As people process and respond to losses that they have felt and the sadness that they're overwhelmed with, they process these things differently. Some grieve, some become frustrated and angry, some simply ignore, and perhaps others give up. And maybe you, you, you have gone through the different stages dealing with many of the things that we're dealing with on a daily basis. But in situation of loss as this one, we are taught by the psalmist to lament, to lament. The psalmist responds to the mocking request for a song 
with a question. And this is the haunting phrase found here in verse 4. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? How shall you and I, how can you and I sing the Lord's song in this time and in this environment? When sorrows and tears overwhelm us, we have a difficult time hearing and heeding the teachings of Scripture at times. Psalm 30, verse 11 says, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Psalm 1595 uh, says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. We really do. We really do want to dance and sing with joy, with thanksgiving. But at times, this does not seem like the right time. And at times, we aren't overwhelmed with that sense, either because of our forgetfulness or because the difficulties are surrounding us. It's here where we recognize that the writers of the Psalms do not cover up our emotions or brush it aside, but lend voice and words to how many of us feel. Perhaps this is why John Calvin rightly states that in Psalms there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented as in a mirror. It's a lament when we say simply, how can we, how shall we sing the Lord's song in this time? But friends, lament is not about hopelessness, nor is it about faithlessness. Biblical lament is about bringing our sorrows before God, placing them at his feet, admitting that there is something wrong with the world around us, and perhaps there is something wrong with even our own hearts. It is a lament that rises from the recognition that we live in a foreign land. For the psalmist, that they are living in a foreign land is undeniable and quite painful as they recognize that they're not home anymore. For you and I, however, the fact that we are on this side of glory and that we're not yet home is often forgotten or perhaps even ignored. The great loss and pain that you and I experience daily remind us that this is not our home. And this is not the way it's supposed to be. But not only is it a lament that rises from the recognition that we live in a foreign land, it is a lament that rises from remembering where our true home is. This is not our home, nor is this the way it's supposed to be. And the psalmist repeats, If I forget you, O Jerusalem, if I do not remember you, If I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy, he says. This is a lament of one who remembers the joy and blessings of being in the presence of the Lord and the sorrow that accompanies the knowledge that we're not there. We're not yet there at home. The loss and the lament is bringing our sorrows before God, admitting to ourselves and to the watchful eyes that there is indeed something wrong with the world around us as well as our heart condition as well. This is where the loss and lament turns into 
and drives us to longing. I recognize that verses 7 through 9 give us pause and should give us pause as the curses are included here. This is not a calm and collected understanding of the justice of God. Rather, the words are raw. It's full of emotion, not unlike the rest of this psalm, as they're dealing and processing with their loss and pain, as they think through how they're being treated even as they write and sing. We certainly can spend time talking about these curses, but for our time this morning, I want to focus on the principles found in these particular verses. For you see, in verses 7 through 9, as difficult as they are for us to read and at times accept, these verses display a longing of the psalmist. The one who's going through and undergoing loss, the one who laments and bringing his sorrows before God, is expressing his longing. It's a longing for the things to be right again, for things to be made right again for healing and wholeness in the midst of illnesses and death, for abundance and generosity in the midst of scarcity and needs, for comfort and consolation in the midst of sorrows and tears, for presence and peace in the midst of brokenness and loneliness, for comfort and rest in the midst of anxiety and hopelessness. It's a longing for things to be made right again. It also expresses the psalmist's longing for the salvation of God, for God to rescue his people from captors and tormentors, to release them from their prison, to release them from their predicament, turning their eyes to God, for God to bring them home where milk and honey flowed freely and abundantly. For God to reign over his people with presence and power. This you and I know on this side of the cross. Christ did. Christ was indeed the rescue plan of God who did come to make the wrong right. The guilty set free by his forgiveness, clothed in his righteousness. This rescue plan has been accomplished, and for the writers of the Old Testament, they're looking forward to that salvation of God, for deliverance of God our Savior. In this longing, longing for things to be made right, this longing for the salvation of God is, in essence, a longing for God, for God to be with them. As Psalm 136, that is the chapter previous to 137, the God who is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 136 then repeats, God who remembered us in our lowest state and who rescued us from our enemies because as the Psalm repeats for us, his steadfast love endures forever. This is the very same God in the next psalm, in Psalm 138. It is called, the on the day I call, the psalmist says, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. This God, according to verses 7 and 8 of Psalm 138, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. 
and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me, he says. Your steadfast love comes back again. O Lord, endures forever. Friends, is it by chance that Psalm 136 and 138 envelop the psalm that we were focusing on this morning on Psalm 137? I personally do not think it's by accident. The two psalms that praise the Lord for his steadfast love envelops and covers the sorrow and the lament. The love of God indeed overcomes our loss and lament. And that we are to read 137, recognizing and honestly admitting our loss and our sorrows before God. For scripture doesn't hide the fact that we live on this side of glory, yet covered with the love of God in Psalms 136, 138. It's a longing for God, for things to be made right, for his deliverance, the longing for his presence in our lives each and every single day. Are you longing for God these days? Perhaps many of, your, many of you are experiencing and undergoing a pivot of some sorts. Um, as seminary, we are pivoting from focusing on the present and trying to deal with all the changes and challenges, now focusing on the future, the summer and the fall. As family, we are moving from the moment of panic and frustration and settling into a routine of some sorts along with all the changes and thinking about what the next steps look like for us. And that's true for all of us as Christians as well. We are moving from me in the midst of many of these challenges to us, not just about self-preservation, but for ministry opportunities to see where people of God are, and now to eternity, for us to see in this moment an opportunity and challenge for us to turn to the Lord and long for him. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? By remembering him, by longing for him. For the promise is sure, as Jude, writing in times of difficulty, says, keep yourselves in the love of God, he says. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life and longing for that day. That day, as Revelation describes, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Friends, may we turn our eyes to him as we long for his presence, his deliverance, and for him to make the wrong right. May he wipe away your tears even as we honestly come before him with our sorrows and pain that he hears and understands, may we grow in our longing for him, that indeed our desire will be to be in his presence, for a day before him is better than a thousand elsewhere. May he guard and keep you. May he guard and keep you daily, remind you of his presence in your life. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer, shall we?
Father, we thank you for your word that gives us words to speak, words to pray, words of confession before you. We bring our pain, loss, sorrow before you, O Lord, and honestly admit that these things are not easy and have been difficult. But Lord, we approach you not with faithlessness or hopelessness. We come longing for you, the only one who can hear and make the wrong right. We come longing for your deliverance, for us to taste the goodness of the Lord in all things that you do and you do so well. We come longing for your presence in our lives, O Lord, wherever we are, whatever we're facing. May your presence be so palpable and powerful. Lord, that our uh, our lips may sing the song of praise that you call us upon to sing, lifting up our thanksgiving to you. Be with all of us, those who are near and far. For those who are stricken uh, with the difficulties of both body as, as well as life, we ask for your comforting presence. For all of us, O Lord, grant us wisdom and patience for us eyes of faith to see you at work in our lives, in the lives of our churches around us. For we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Copyright 2020, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.